I'm, I'm eager to introduce to you a special friend of mine. She doesn't know me, but we're going to meet in heaven. To me, she's one of the top three examples of God's mercy in the entire Old Testament. She shows up in the action-packed second chapter of, of Joshua. Her name is Rahab. Let me pray. Father, uh, you would think that in a book that exalts character and holiness, that the characters uh, would be models of that and would, uh, uh, would motivate us to, um, to, uh, to walk more, um, more closely with you. Uh, but God, this is a story of a woman who starts out um, uh, really rough and uh, uh, it is an, an astounding uh, thing that you, you include her and that we get a chance to uh, look at her closely and see how you interact with this, uh, this woman. Thank you. Thank you for the privilege of doing this. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well, by the time you get to Joshua chapter 2, Moses has already transferred leadership over to Joshua, so he's in charge of the Israelites now. And God has moved the nation to the east bank of the Jordan River. About five miles across that Jordan River is the fortified city of Jericho. But for the Israelites, Jericho represents the first oh, occupation obstacle, we'll call it. And Joshua wants to know more. So he sends two men to spy out the city. I wonder if these two spies volunteered or if this was their job, maybe their role in, in the war effort. I don't know. But Joshua turns to them and he says, check out Jericho, men. Bring back the, a threat assessment of that whole place. And in, uh, off go the spies. You know, we never do hear their names. But the very next thing we learn so they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Really? How did that happen? We don't know, but there they are. This, this is our introduction to Our Lady, a prostitute. Oh, I know a linguistic note at the bottom of some of our Bibles says, possibly an innkeeper. Well, that's a big difference. The New International points out, uh, Josephus and other early sources refer to Rahab as an innkeeper, but see Hebrews 11.31 and James 2.25. Well, if you look up those verses as a cross-reference, you'll see she's not an innkeeper. Well, such a, a brief bio, that, that's all we really get from her. We, we wanna learn more, we wanna learn about her family, her, her upbringing, her history, maybe the success of this business venture she's involved in? Does she have a, a spiritual heartbeat? Well, let's wait and see. Back to the spies. How did, how did this initial conversation with Rahab go? Um, what, did, what did the two say to her? You know, it, it's knock, knock, knock on the door. and Hi, um, no, we're, we're not interested in your services, but we, we, we need you to betray your people, uh, even though you might be discovered and killed. Um, and nobody can know that, that we're here. 
Yeah, well, how well did that go? Verses 2 and 3, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. <sighs> I wonder if Rahab and her two spies know that the king knows. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. <laughs> there you go. He knows exactly where they are. Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. Well, this king's command most likely came with a guard of two or 40. Apparently, they are trapped in her home. I wonder how she's going to respond. How much of a struggle did she have in her heart? She could save herself, point them out, and watch as they're taken away, probably to be killed in an awful way. Verse 4 and 5. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. At dusk, when it was time to close the gate, the men left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. Classic redirection. And this is a, a huge decision for her to make. She chooses to aid a foreign enemy. If she's caught, she probably dies. She lies to the king's men and then hides the two Israeli spies up on the roof under some stalks of flax. Clever. But with this choice, her life is never going to be the same. How, how did she make such a dramatic decision? Verse 8 and 9 help us to understand that. The soldiers are gone. And the spies are up on the roof. Rahab comes up to speak to them. Now we get to see the motives of her heart. She says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. Wow. In this verse, she acknowledges God. I wonder what she personally thinks of him or believes about him. Well, she's convinced he's powerful enough to, to sovereignly give nations to other nations, acting in, in judgment and blessing. And then skipping to verse 11, she says, For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. No kidding. What about this fear she's speaking of? Apparently, the city's terrified of the Israelites. I wonder why. And in verse 10, she gets historical. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And, and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. So Rahab's convinced that God has designed this, this whole geographic area as Jewish territory. You guys took them on and slaughtered all of them. All of them. So my house and, and this walled city and this nation, is it's yours. I know that. It's the Lord's design. And, and because we can see all this, there's, there's this great fear that's fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. 
So we have Rahab the prostitute, the Canaanite prostitute. She's embracing God's sovereign power and showing great courage. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. I think he is working in her heart. Now, as she sees God's future judgment on this city of Jericho and its inhabitants, she pleads with the two spies in 2.14. She says, show kindness to my family as I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother, of my brothers and sisters and all who belong to them, and that you will save us from death. You know, bringing up the family, I, I wonder how these family members think and feel about their daughter, their sister, being a prostitute. I wonder if any of their judgments are, uh, are going to change as she leads them to safety as everyone in the city is slaughtered. Well, the spies respond, We will treat you and yours both kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. Oh, I, I love that. When the Lord gives us this land, not if. They know who's responsible for victory. All right. Pledges have been made, and it's time to scoot. The spies need to get back to General Joshua and to make their report. Rahab gives them some, some great survival advice at this point. Go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there three days until they return. Then go on your way. Smart lady. Keeping them alive meant keeping herself and her family alive. There's one final detail to be worked out, the actual rescue plan. The spies say, yes, we swear on oath to repay your kindness to us. And then they say, but there's really three conditions. First, this window we crawl out of to escape, it must have a scarlet cord tied there, visible to our warriors. Secondly, you better have all whom you want saved right here, inside your house, not roaming around. Anyone out there is dead meat, and that won't be on us. And finally, if you tell anyone what we're doing, we will be released from this oath that you made us swear. Rahab's response, deal. Joshua 2.15. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. <laughs> no sooner is this conversation over, you can imagine this, than she ties a scarlet cord on the window. What's she thinking as she watches the men scurry for the hills? I, I hope this works. Is she figuring out how to tell her family and when to tell them? Does she go back to work? Does she discreetly pack her bags? She's trusting two strangers from a conquering nation. A few questions come to mind. What did she do with the fear in that? Did God fill her with hope? How did she handle strolling through the neighborhood, passing folks she knew would be slaughtered soon? What kind of grief process did she experience? 
did, did you, Lord, begin to shape her prayer life at this time? Did you, who fosters fear, bring courage and peace to her heart? How often did she check the scarlet cord to make sure it hadn't blown away or, or dropped to the ground? Well, as we open Joshua 6, Jericho is a locked down city filled with terror, terrified people. This is when God, quote, delivers Jericho into the hands of Joshua and the Israelites, unquote. Well, we've chosen Rahab as our main character. So let's see these events through her eyes. After crossing the Jordan River for six straight days, a large procession of Israelites walks once around the city. In this parade, there's an armed guard and then seven priests blowing shofars, which are ram's horns. Then the Ark of the Covenant. This is followed by all the armed men of Israel, a considerable force. But the only sound is the drone of the few horns. So join me inside the walls of Jericho. The first day, the scouts on the wall see the, see the Israelites. Here they come! And already hearts have melted and there's no courage. What? What are they doing? Wow, look at all those warriors. Hey, wh what's that thing those guys are carrying? That, some gold box. They're, they're probably walking into position surrounding us. Oh, oh, great moon god of Jericho, protect us. Right, here, here we go, boys. Get ready. And Rahab leans out her window, waves to the Hebrew fighters, and shakes the red cord. Is she excited this first day? Not knowing that there are five more days before things really begin to happen? Is she trusting God in all this? Does she hurry to call her family together thinking that this is it? Well, most inhabitants, they can't see what's happening outside the walls, but they only hear the trumpets as their city is surrounded. Psychological warfare designed by God to finally crush the spirit of those in Jericho. And then, for that first day, it's over. The whole army and the priests and the Ark of the Covenant leave. What? As the horn sound quiets, adrenaline dissipates, questions are asked and unanswered till tomorrow when it starts again and the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Six silent marches around the city once. Then, it's the seventh day. It's the day of Jericho's complete destruction. Rahab once again brings her family to her, checks the red cord, and thinks, this, this may be it today. Now watch, Rahab being led out from certain destruction is a powerful picture. The Canaanites living inside their securely walled city are about to live out what they have feared the most. 
What are they doing now, says the king. Well, they're just, just walking, sires, like, just like always. The, the priests near that box, and they're raising the horns to their lips. And oh, Wait, now, now, sire, everyone is shot. Oh, the walls, our walls have fallen down. They've crumbled. We're dead. Verse 20, when the trumpets sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they destroyed the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. I don't know how many souls are inside the city on that day. But one Canaanite after the other are killed by the Israeli troops who have scrambled over the remains of the fortifications and now move from house to house, shelter to shelter, killing all. All except our faith-filled Rahab. She and her family are inside her home. They hear the sounds of the shout, they feel the rumble of the collapsing walls and the screams as the killings begin. And Joshua orders for her and her family, their extraction are followed to the letter. He said, go to the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your oath to her. Verse 22. Rahab must have been waiting right on the edge of faith and fear. Maybe she hears or sees the two whom she protected. Did they smile at her and beckon her out of the house? Or has this, this foreign family already been discovered by the first wave of attackers and are now surrounded by warriors with, with bloody swords who remember about a red cord? What is that walk from the city like? Did the, did the family have to climb over rubble? The city is dead or dying all around them. Folks she grew up with, neighbors. Does she gently accompany her, her older parents or, or help the young nephew or niece over the crumbled walls? Are they all weeping in grief or, or weeping at being alive? Mom and dad, brothers and sisters, and all who belong to her. Wow, salvation. I wonder if this family sees sister Rahab or daughter Rahab in a different light. I wonder how they will treat her from now on. Well, let's review. <clears throat> Jericho is a place where she lives as a prostitute and all that means to her identity, her reputation, and even the shame on her family. But she's leaving the city of death to life and a chance to start over in a, a spiritual community that loves God. That escape, that walk out of Jericho, is such a powerful image. Joshua 6.23, they brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. They're Canaanites, Gentiles. 
They know nothing of obeying the law. Of course they're going to be outside the camp. But they're alive. From city living to camping out. I wonder what they brought with them to live on. I wonder if any of the Israelites befriended them. There's a, there's a serious clash of two cultures going on here. Did the families of the, of the two spies whom she saved, did they welcome them? Did Jewish families help, help them, reach out to them? Chapter 6, verse 25. But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute and her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. So there you have it. The last residents of Jericho alive by God's mercy, led by Rahab, a former prostitute who believes. Rahab, you're now living among God's people, learning more about this powerful deity whom you are convinced rules the universe. It's God's power that she understands. And now she has lived God's mercy at her physical salvation. And as she falls asleep that first night outside the camp, maybe smelling the smoke from the torched city she called home, she thinks of mercy and forgiveness. Why has she been rescued? Yes, she made the decision to risk her life as she protected the enemy spies. And yes, the leader Joshua was faithful to his word. But she knows that God is responsible. God's power demonstrated again in walls that crumble because of noise and the complete slaughter. She, but she is rescued out. She is safe. Let's close with the bigger message here. This is a great picture of salvation. Rahab, she's already a dead person when we meet her. A resident of Jericho, about to be killed by God's warriors. It's only a matter of time. But then she's saved from that death. And the sign chosen is a red thread. A blood red thread. She's only a woman, a prostitute at that, and a Canaanite, Canaanite prostitute at that. Why would Israel's God save her? To say that she deserves this because she covered two spies with flax and protected them is laughable. In God's eyes, her job and her pagan nationality make her a special object of wrath. But God gave her faith and then gave her courage. And then she had the chance to live out that salvation among his people. Oh, and those two New Testament verses about her, Hebrews 11:31, by faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were unbelieving. And James 2:25, even Rahab the prostitute is considered righteous. And you know, Scripture implies clearly that she not only lived in that, that community, she married an Israelite. 
there's a, there's, a, there's a record, an inference to that. And she is in the lineage of Christ, articulated in the Gospels. This is our woman. This is our lady. And because of this, all of this, Rahab is our mercy trophy. Let me pray. Father, what an extraordinary day that must have been. The drama, the trauma, the victory of your, of your warriors, the beginning of the taking of the promised land. This was the first one. So, Father, there was joy in the Israelite camp and a, a, a family of strangers living outside. Thank you. Thank you that these strangers were invited to become a part. We are these strangers, and you have brought us close to your heart. Thank you for salvation and this great picture that Rahab represents. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.